Hey Creepsters, this is Mandy C. from Texas, and you're listening to my favorite segment of A Paranormal Chicks Podcast, Sinister Sightings! And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 39. And you just heard Mandy C. This one's titled Harry Potter. Nope, just sleep paralysis. Okay. I have a story for y'all in your amazing podcast. So a few years ago, when I was living at home after undergrad, I started having a hard time going to sleep. I grew up and lived in a house that was about 100 years old. Actually, the year this happened was the 100-year anniversary of my house. It's old and creepy, and when you're all alone at night, it's about the scariest place to be. During my time when I lived home after college, every night over a two-week period, I felt like there was someone or something in my room with me. Well, one night I discovered that I was definitely not alone. Oh my God. After trying to restlessly make myself go to sleep, I looked at the end of my bed and I saw a black mass. It wasn't very large, but it looked like it was creeping over the edge of my bed to look at me. Nope. Mm -mm. It didn't move. It just stayed where it was. I just kind of stared at it and tried to ignore whatever I was seeing. A few nights go by and this black mass is still there, but it gradually becomes larger and larger. A week into seeing this thing, it became fully formed and just stood at the edge of my bed. The only way I can describe it is that it looked like a Harry Potter Dementor. Dang. I could not move at all, nor could I make any noise. I was mute and powerless. That same Dementor crept slowly up from the bottom of my bed to my face. It was maybe a foot from my face, just hovering, and had no distinct facial features. All I heard was heavy breathing. This same thing happened every night. I was miserable, but also terrified to tell anyone about what was happening because I didn't want to sound crazy. I ended up going to a doctor about this because I maybe averaged about two to three hours of sleep per night over a two-week period. Oh my God, I'd be so tired. I also thought that I had finally lost my marbles. My doctor told me that it was sleep paralysis, where your body is half in REM sleep and half awake, the ultimate fuckery of the body. My doctor gave me medication and assured me that my problems would go away. That same night, I took the medication and passed out five minutes later. Talk about being knocked out. But I somehow woke up around 2 a.m. and above me was the Dementor. Once again, just heavily breathing. Nope. I tried to scream, but nothing came out. This thing just hovered for what it seemed like forever, slowly inching closer and closer to my face. It got so close that it almost touched me, but then poof, it was gone. All of a sudden, I can move and I broke into tears. I never saw the mass again, but to this day, I think something was trying to wear me down enough so I would just give in to whatever it wanted. Unfortunately, I am not Harry Potter, so that is a huge letdown, but otherwise, I have never seen this thing again. Claire. Whoa. 
I mean, what better way to wear someone down than to interrupt their sleep? Like, that's yeah. like fucking Freddy Krueger, you know? Yes. But, oh, my gosh, inching closer and closer. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. And I mean, you read that scary as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it was like, I was like, hold my breath through some of it. Okay. This one is a random dildo and an attempted break-in. What? Okay. <laughs> Interest is peaked. Here for this. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. Just wanted to first say that I fucking love you both. Your podcast helps get me through the long-ass work days. Let me introduce myself. I'm Elisa, and I'm from California. Anyways, the first story I'm going to tell you isn't paranormal at all, but I thought you guys would get a kick out of it. When I was about 15 years old, I lived in a house with my entire family. I'm talking grandparents, an aunt, my parents, my little brother, and even a cousin. So talk about a full house. The city I live in is called West Covina. It's about 25 to 30 minutes from Los Angeles. My dad is a deputy sheriff and has been for quite a few years. One day he came home from one of his shifts hysterically laughing and telling my mom and grandparents about an object he had found while out on patrol. Me being curious, went to find out what was so funny, immediately regretting it. My dad stood in the dining room, waving around a huge, and I mean huge, dildo. Not even sure how to describe it, other than the fact that it was fucking huge. (laughs) Does he still have it? Because, you know, my collection is not complete. I was going to say, a girl could dream. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where it gets interesting. I mean, this is where, because I was pretty interested in the beginning. Same. (laughs) For some reason, instead of getting rid of the dildo, they decided to keep it and place it in the garage on a shelf that everyone could see when we opened the garage. I believe it was in the middle of summer, late one night, everyone was in their rooms. My parents' room had a second door that led out to the backyard that was always locked because of my little brother. Well, on that specific night, my dad heard someone in the backyard and thought that maybe it was someone in the house getting some air or my cousin smoking weed. That was until he heard the doorknob start to turn like someone was trying to get in. He said that it had got more forceful after a couple of seconds. Uh Uh-uh. That is Uh -uh. like biggest fear. Yes. Knowing that my little brother, who was three at the time, was in the room, he woke up my mom and told her to get my brother, wake me up. And to go wait in my grandparents' room with us. He went to investigate, but by the time whoever it was had left. He called the local police to put in a report. He worked in a different city. This is where my memory gets a bit fuzzy, but I guess that night there was apparently a search going on for a suspect. Not sure what they had done. So when the call came in that someone was trying to get into a house, they immediately sent a bunch of cops to the house, even a canine. So, well, the police were searching the house for the suspect and any clues or evidence. They happened to want to look in our garage. Now, do you guys remember what was stored in the fucking garage? That's right. The massive fucking dildo that my dad brought home. Can you say awkward? It doesn't help that the neighborhood was nosy as hell and all outside trying to see what was going on. We lived on a block that housed many of my classmates from school. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's a weird, crazy story that happened to me. Sorry for it being so long. I do happen to have some actual paranormal stories that have happened to me, and I'll make sure to send them in. Thank you for reading. Creep it real and don't get scared. That story was everything. Everything. 
would have been better if there was a picture included and um, how much it cost on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Is it part of prom? <laughs> I mean, I'm primed and ready to go. <laughs> this one's called Haunted Bath. Hi, ladies. This story will have a little bit for each of you. In the past, I have suggested a couple of crimes in the Facebook group for Carrie to do, and I'm not sure if I suggested this one, so I won't go into all the horrible details, but I have a small experience relating to it, so here we go. At 8.45 a.m. on May 18, 1927, in Bath, Michigan, an explosion occurred at the Bath Consolidated School, taking out the North Wing. At the same time, a farm on the outside of town was on fire, including the house, outbuildings, and barn. People ignored the burning farm because they were all racing to the school to help and find out what happened. The explosion resulted in the death of 36 children and two teachers, and 56 were injured. Oh, God. While people were trying to rescue the injured, the bomber, Andrew Kehoe, arrived in his truck and called the superintendent, Emery Hayek, question mark, question mark, over to him. Kehoe then shot into his truck where he had placed a large amount of dynamite, killing both of them, as well as two other adults and one child and injuring more people. Another child died later of her injuries in the hospital. The reason I tell you this horrible story is to tell you what I and some friends experienced many years later. In 1994, a friend and I had boyfriends, well, look at you go, <laughs> who lived in Bath. I mean, look, I'm just jealous, okay? It was almost an hour away from where we lived, so sometimes we would stay at the apartment of my friend's boyfriend. The layout of this apartment was very interesting because the building used to actually be the community hall for the small town back in the day. My friend's boyfriend and his mother lived in the middle apartment that was actually the dance hall part. It had the layout of a studio apartment, which is no separate rooms except for the bathroom. When we walked into the front door, there was a large area and then a stage at the back where the guy's mom had her bed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brown chicken, brown cow. The stage was also where the only bathroom was located. The bathroom was horribly decorated in blood red and black. Black carpeting, black toilet, red sink, Black countertop, red walls, black shower and tub combo. I don't know if it was the coloring, but this bathroom always gave me weird vibes. And with good reason. Turns out, after the Bath School Massacre, the community hall was used as a makeshift morgue. A lot of those poor children were housed there while the authorities tried to figure out what to do as something like this had never happened before in the history of American education. Oh, my God. I didn't know this history before I stayed in the apartment on more than one occasion. It always felt kind of creepy to me, and I didn't like staying in the apartment by myself. One time when my friend was in the apartment by herself, she spent way more time there than I did. She was in the bathroom with the door shut and saw what looked like fingers reach under the door. Mm -mm. Of course, after she told me this, I could not look at the bottom of the bathroom door every time I was in there, in fear that I would see some little fingers. Thanks for this great community that y'all have created for us to be open and feel included. Love y'all, Jen. Wow. 
uh-uh, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. I don't want no kids, and I definitely do not want little ghost fingers. But you know what? Imagine that. They are fucking kids because you can't go to the bathroom by yourself. They're like, Damn. let me in, let me in. Damn. Meanwhile, it's a dog for me. <laughs> like Marley is like, uh-uh, nah, bitch, I'm coming to watch you. But with Marley, you could be like, girl, go. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one is why I don't use a Ouija board. Hey, ladies, it's your favorite Swifty listener from the UK. Back again to ensure that you may need to change your pantaloons after the story I'm going to tell. As per usual, this is 100% true. I've been really indecisive about writing it because I don't want to stir up any issues. But I figure as long as I don't say it out loud, it might be okay. So now I got to. I'm so glad you're reading this one. I've always been interested in the occult and the paranormal, Though, this brush with the paranormal went a little too close for comfort. It all started out of nowhere, quite literally a figment of the imagination. A dream, actually. Have you ever had the feeling where you know you dreamt about a particular thing, and when you wake up, it's on the forefront of your mind, but you can't put it into words? Well, that's what I had. Every night, for six full nights, I would wake up, and there would be something stuck in my head, but I couldn't quite get it out. It was peculiar, to say the least. That wasn't the only thing peculiar, though. I started seeing things when I woke up, when I was halfway between the stage of asleep and awake. It was usually spiders running across my bed, but they weren't there at all. Mm-mm-mm. No. Nope. Uh-uh. 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 I'm out. Bye. The feeling of dread was, though. It pitched within my stomach and spread like wildfire. And as the nights went on, it rooted itself and flooded everywhere. I felt like I was being watched. It sounds stupid, really. At that point, I was at home for the summer as university had finished for the semester. I lived in a house with four other members of the family, a dog, three cats. It was highly probable that I was being watched. I didn't like it, though. And the dreams continued. I ended up having a Nana nap one Monday afternoon. Once again, the familiarity of what I was dreaming about became stuck in my mind. Only this time when I woke up, I had one word. One word that summed up everything I had been thinking about. I know you're waiting for me to say it, but I can't. You see, at that point, I had never even heard of the word. It was so foreign to me, like it was another language. Of course, the good old Google was at my disposal. A simple web search told me everything I would need to know. The word that conjured up in my mind was, in fact, a name. It was a name of a demon. You ladies have done a podcast before. The only one I've never been able to listen to all the way through. And it begins with a Z. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. That's what I will call it. Because even typing the full name gives me spine-tingling chills and a nausea that is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Freaked out was an understatement. I'm normally pretty chill. I don't freak out very often, but something about this unsettled me. It was a really weird feeling. I wanted to read on and get every bit of information I could about this, this thing. But another part of me felt repulsed, like my heckles were all standing up at a mere name. Um, I love that word, heckles. Mm-hmm. Though it sounds like it would be a clown's name, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. Kind of like Heine. Let's not bring him up. Now, for the first time in my life, I listened to the sensible side of myself and closed my laptop. 
I didn't research that name ever again. After a couple of months and no consecutive dreaming, just the odd ones, I returned back to Leeds, well, hey, Will, to continue my university studies. It was pretty much forgotten about, and I figured that I must have heard that name in passing and just picked it up. On a whim, a few friends and I, after work, decided to go see a group medium in a session. This was the first time I had ever been to anything like that, and I was apprehensive and excited at the same time. Even though I knew it was unlikely, as I'm never lucky enough to get picked for anything, I really hoped to maybe get some contact with my grandma. My mom, the previous year, had suffered from a grade 3 subarachnoid brain hemorrhage, and we were going through a tough time. Thankfully, she pulled through and the surgeon had said in passing that someone up there must have been looking out for her. I really thought it was my grandma and I wanted to say thank you. Stupid, I know, but I'm sentimental like that. Anyway, the group session was amazing and the psychic lady was really good. There were some very heartfelt messages and I must admit that I teared up at a few. Towards the end, she was walking around the room and her eye caught mine. She turned to face me properly and I felt a glimmer of hope. That hope quickly turned to confusion when her nose wrinkled in disgust. She looked at me with such a nasty glare that I wondered if I had done something wrong. It made me feel so uncomfortable and I wanted to just get out of there. Uh, rude. When the session came to an end, I picked up my bag to make a swift exit, but the woman grabbed my arm fiercely. Now, before the end of the session, she offered up private one-on-one sessions afterwards, but they were really expensive and I was buying supermarket brand vodka, so I was in no position to afford it. (laughs) Priorities. I mean... Sorry, I just can't afford a session. I apologize meekly, especially with the woman who looked like she had wanted to murder me only minutes previous. Thankfully, she was really soft-spoken and offered me a gentle smile, releasing my arm. I just want to speak with you for a little while. No charge, I promise, she told me. Normally, I would have assumed it was some sort of scam. She'd be able to tell me the name of my first pet and then charge me 70 pounds for the luxury of guessing. However, I was really keen on knowing what she had to say, so I stayed. She took me into her room and took my hand again, in a much kinder fashion, although I noticed that she kept glancing at the door as she spoke. She asked me a range of things, my religion, my age, my interest, why I visited here tonight, etc. The last question struck me, though. Have you ever used a Ouija board? I looked startled and quickly shook my head. I had never used one and didn't intend to. I did want to, though, somewhere lurking within me. I always had the thoughts of what if. It's a good job I'm chicken shit scared. She looked relieved when I said that, then continued. I can't remember the exact phrasing in this little bit, but it went something like this. There are no laws as such being a medium, but we do have ethics. Things that we don't usually say or do, questions we don't ask, people we do not contact. We do not often say very negative things that would massively affect the person being read. All through this, I nodded silently, wondering why I'm getting Psychic 101 in a back room. (laughs) But these words that she said were exact, and they haunt me to this very day. You need to be very careful, Charlotte. There is something dark behind you. It's watching you very closely at all times. I genuinely thought I was going to throw up. Memories of the previous summer came flooding through my mind. Is it Z? I began to say, but she stopped me before I could even mutter the name. This is direct quoting too. Do not speak its name. Do not pay it any mind. Do not ever try to communicate with it or any other investigation involving 
trying to contact the other side without trained professional guidance. Do not research it. Do not talk about it. Do not think about it. So here I am now. I followed the advice of the woman, mostly, as I'm sort of talking about it now. I do not believe this is giving any power. I believe the name gives it power, and it's one that I will never leave my lips again. Holy bejesus. Whoa. Mm-mm. 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 So scary. Yes. And that she kept looking at the door and stuff. Yes. Uh-uh. She saw something. Hello from Scotland. <coughs> I found your podcast on Spotify a few months ago and have been hooked ever since. I'm the girl who posted in the Facebook group worried about the length of my first story. Anyway, I decided to start with a creepy let's not meet again type for you all. Sorry if it's a novel. Back in 2017, my mom, best friend, and I took a trip to Dublin to see Aerosmith on their world tour. Last minute, my dumbass realizes that our hotel is so far away from civilization, like in the middle of a damn motorway. So check us scrambling to find a decent place to stay for a few days that we would be in town. We eventually settled on an Airbnb that we found in the city center. Good reviews, photographs looked good, wasn't anything fancy, but would do for a place to sleep. Now, here was our first flag that we ignored. My best friend booked the place for us and received a message from the owner that sounded like he was trying to convince us not to stay, asking if we were sure we wanted his place, that it wasn't anything fancy or special, etc., My friend replied telling him that we were only in town for the concert and just needed a place to lay our heads and his place looked fine. So after a few messages, he seemed convinced that we were happy with the place. Before we arrived, he sends us all the details, the usual do's and don'ts, where to find the key, he's not going to be in town to hand it over himself, and the address. Now, this was flag number two. We checked it against the site, and it was the street over from the one he had listed <gasps> on Airbnb. Uh-uh. Nope. Mm-mm. We assume it's a mistake and continue being excited to rock out in Dublin. We arrive at our place the day before the concert. It was a lovely Georgian building, or it would have been if it wasn't a little run down. And to be honest, it looked a little creepy. Turned out we were in the basement apartment, not the spacious upper house. (gasps) After spending half an hour trying to find the damn house keys, literally turning over every rock in this guy's gravel drive, we head inside. Girls, when I say we were shocked when we saw the place, it is an understatement. Parts of the walls were broken (gasps) or falling off. There was mold in the bedrooms, damaged furniture, Flag number three, the owner said it wasn't fancy, but this was false advertisement. Right. Only being there for a few days, we decided to grin and bear it and sort it out when we were home. We didn't have the money to find a new place. As we explored the house, my mom and friend found what we thought was a closet full of junk. You could not step inside and there was no light. My friend turns on her phone light and all we see is a door at the back of all the junk. Me being an extra large pizza, there was no chance my trunk would fit between all that junk. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get an amen? Yes. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. So my friend ninjaed her ass across all the junk and got to the door. It was locked but had a small shamrock-shaped cutout of the door. 
She looks inside and found an abandoned room that looked like it hadn't been touched in years. It was full of dirt and cobwebs, and the only things inside were piles of paintings and chairs. You better believe we sealed up that door to the junk closet when we slept that night. We tried to settle down, but the place gave us bad vibes. Eventually, my friend and I decided to head into town and grab some drinks, explore the nightlife, etc., My mom stayed behind because she wasn't feeling too well, and she said that she would just catch some sleep. I felt uncomfortable leaving her alone in the house. Something was telling me to stay with her, but my friend convinced me it was fine, and I was just being paranoid. The whole night we were out, I couldn't relax. I felt on edge and just kept checking time and thinking about my mom back in the apartment, and I just knew something was wrong. I tried contacting her, but her phone was out of signal. My friend kept reassuring me it was fine and re enjoyed the rest of our night and headed back around 11 p.m. The next morning, my mom was acting very annoyed, and this just wasn't like her. Me being me, I thought she was pissed that we stayed out longer or were too noisy coming back the night before. Eventually, though, she told us what happened when we had left. She had settled down on the living room sofa to get some sleep, feeling better there than sleeping in the bedrooms. She had been asleep for maybe an hour or so when she heard tapping that woke her up. She turns around looking out the window and there is a tall, bald man staring right at her tapping on the window. No. One hand reaching inside (gasps) because the window was open for a little air. No. She jumps up and races to close the window. She said that the few seconds it took her to get off the sofa and look back up, the man was gone. No sound, no footsteps, nothing. He had just vanished. Being an old house, the windows were the heavy wooden ones. She eventually got it moving and it slammed right on top of her hand. (gasps) The poor soul managed to get her hand free and secure the window. She tried calling us but couldn't because she had no signal and this house had no phone. This turned out to all be happening at the same time I was trying to call and telling my friends something doesn't feel right. She barricaded the door and waited until around the time she knew we would be back. Being alone and in a foreign city, she didn't know where she could find us or how to contact us, and she didn't want to risk leaving the apartment because she had no idea where he had vanished to. She had eventually calmed down and managed to grab some sleep again. Wow. Side note, my friend and I came back to a broom jamming the front door. It took our tipsy asses a hot minute to work out how to get in. When she told us all of this, I was crying. I felt guilty knowing that she had gone through that and that we hadn't been there and that that whole night I had this feeling something was wrong but decided not to listen and try to put it out of my mind. We all slept in the living room the next night to keep each other safe. Luckily, my friend is a nurse, so she bandaged my mom's hand up. She had broken two bones in her hand from the window. But you bet your ass the next night, we were front row standing at that concert singing our hearts out. My mom waving her bandaged hand at Steven Tyler, not giving a fuck. Yes. He ended up singing to her, so it more than made up for our experience the night before. But to whoever or whatever that creepy guy was, let's not meet again. Anyway... Girls, sorry if this turned into a novella. I have more paranormal stories and local true crimes and legends I could share with you all if you'd like. Creep it real. Love, Natalie. Wow. P.S. I added a couple of photos of the house and that creepy room. The little window by the bottom of the stairs is where we stayed and where the man was seen. 
and the door to the apartment was under those stairs. So we will we will put those on social media. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Right? That's fucking creepy. I like Airbnb, but then that terrifies me that something like that would happen, that you get there and it's not what they say it is. Mm-hmm. And then what the fuck do you do? I don't know, because you don't have the money. Right. Because you're that's why you're Airbnb in it. Wow. I'm so glad your mom was safe, though. Yeah. I, f- shit. Right. And y'all were front row, though. That, so go, y'all. Okay. This one is called My Scariest Personal Story to Date. So I just started listening to the podcast, and I'm 20 episodes deep and heard y'all wanted some listener stories. This is back when I was dispatching for my county's 911 center, submitted it to the Amino Group, and somehow managed to have it read by Mr. Ramsey on YouTube. Anyways, here goes. I was a 911 dispatcher for about three months. At about 3.30 a.m. one morning, I got an emergency phone call from a woman concerned about her neighbor. The neighbor had called, saying she had heard some knocking lightly on her door. Going into a little further detail, she claimed it went door-to-door around her house and then repeated the process on all of the lower floor windows. Mind you, the neighbor has dogs and horses, which are all going completely nuts, and I could hear them across the street from the caller's house. The caller advised me of her address and that she and her husband were both armed if anything were to happen. I dispatched an officer to patrol the area and the house, and everything remained silent for a while as I waited for the outcome of his findings. When he finally sounded over the radio, he had something interesting to tell me. Apparently, more than one neighbor has had this happen to them. No one sees anyone out there, but they hear light knocking on their doors and windows. He advised me that a group of neighbors, including the caller, had met him in the road as he pulled up. All were saying the exact same thing. Light knocking and no one there. Finding nothing, the officer tells me he's done with the call, dropping the call room back to its normal night shift silence until the phone lights up again. The same thing was going on on the other side of town. There was absolutely no way the same person could have traveled from one side of town to the other in three minutes. It takes at least 20. So once again, I dispatch the same unit and once again, people meet him there and say the same thing. Light knocking and no one there. By now, both the officer and I are frustrated with the calls coming in on the mysterious knocker and we were all ready for our 12-hour shifts to end in peace. As the silence sticks for about an hour, a light knock sounded at the employee door. Naturally, I thought nothing of it. Officers drop by the center during all hours just to socialize out of boredom and sometimes, as a courtesy, they would knock before entering. I waited for the sound of the key in the door but none came. No officer entered the building. I peeked around the corner to see no one at the door. Shrugging it off as my imagination, I sat back at my desk to watch TV. This time, I heard the light knocking coming from the office side of the building, and all the hairs on the back of my neck stood erect, chilling me to the bone. What the hell? I didn't need to walk through the building to know that there would be no one there. I keyed up the radio and advised the officer that the same shit was going on down at our center. I could tell by how quickly he answered that he could hear the panic in my voice. I didn't scare easy, but this terrified me. I woke up my partner and we both shut and locked the comm room doors, locking ourselves inside the room securely as we listened to the soft knocks circle around the building on the windows and back to both doors. Oh my gosh. 
I heard the officer pull beside the building and shut the door. We both saw the lights shine through the windows as he looked around for the suspect causing the mass hysteria at 3 in the morning. We heard the familiar key jiggle in the doorknob outside the comm room and hear the employee door open and close. Only officers and dispatch could open the door. We saw the light under the crack of the door block out as a loud knock sounded at our only safety barrier. Open up, ladies. It's me. I opened the top half of the saloon door and saw the officer smiling at me on the other side. Breathing a sigh of relief, my partner and I hugged him as if our lives depended on it, which it easily could have. I didn't see anything as usual. Are you sure you heard it or was it just your overactive imagination? I started to answer when the knocking started again. Pulling his pistol, the officer slipped down the hallway towards the office, knowing which route the suspect would take. Flinging open the door, the officer grew paler than a sheet. Who is it? The officer trembled. No one. And every now and then, one of my friends from that office will tell me about it happening all over the county at various times. It can be once a month. It could be several months before it happens again. But I just hope it doesn't happen to me again, because that was the scariest thing to ever happen in my life. Whoa. Whoa. So scary. <laughs> oh, my no, God. No, 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 no. That, like, light wrapping on the door. Like, mm-hmm. ooh. Well, you know, and that reminds me of the Hopskinville uh, goblins, like those little aliens and stuff, how they would tap, 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 mm-hmm. tap, 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 Mm-mm. I don't like the tapping. Mm-mm. And since this is the last Sinister Sightings of 2019, the last of a decade, y'all. I cannot believe it. We have an ambient story. Hey, ladies, I have an ambient story for y'all, and it's a doozy. I have to admit, I'm a little nervous about this being read for the whole world to hear, but it involves something that I dealt with and came out the other side a better and stronger person because of it. You'll understand what I mean in a minute. It's something I am no longer ashamed of, so here we go. Picture it. It's the summer of 2009, not the summer of 69, sadly. I was not around for that. In a small town in East Tennessee. That year in June, I turned 22, and at the time, I was in a really dark place in my life. I was working in the restaurant business and was living with my boyfriend at the time in a really shitty apartment in one of the rougher neighborhoods in my town. I've struggled with depression and severe anxiety since I was in high school and still do today, but now, let's show my age here, 10 years later, I have much better ways of coping with it, including medication and therapy. But 2009 was before I actually started dealing with my mental issues, partly because I was in denial and partly because I was too busy for doctor's appointments and keeping an actual schedule and stuff like that. Side note, I'm the poster child for transformation in regard to mental health issues. To anyone who is in denial or thinks that they don't have time or doesn't want to seek help for whatever reason, please don't think you're alone. I have been there and I can't tell you how much it has changed my life for the better. Anyway, back to the story. So my boyfriend and I had been together for about a year or two and he was, for lack of a better word, a pillhead. He had a serious addiction to pain pills, among other things, and as much as I hated the things he did, it's almost impossible to have a close relationship with an active drug user and not fall into it yourself. At that time, and for several years after that, I was addicted to cocaine. It's the only thing I've ever been addicted to, and despite being clean for almost two years, not a day goes by that I don't think about it. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yes, 
whoa, that's huge. I have a ridiculously, she put, sorry, Donna, LOL. Girl, you know me and my R's. Okay. I have a ridiculously busy life and Coke kept me going like nothing else could. I had tried several times to quit before I finally kicked the habit for good. And I can't even describe how hard it was. Like one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. One of those attempts to quit was right after my birthday in 2009. One of the effects of trying to quit cocaine is, surprisingly, not being able to sleep well. So after about a week of only sleeping an average of one or two hours a night, oh God! needless to say, I was exhausted. I told my mom I hadn't been sleeping well. I didn't tell her why, and she still doesn't know how bad my addiction really was. At the time, she had just been prescribed Ambien because she has chronic insomnia. This was the time when Ambien was just hitting the market and being advertised, so we didn't know much about it as we do now. She gave me one but told me to take only half of it because, quote-unquote, according to her, they, quote-unquote, put her on her ass. Right. So, being the hard-headed child I've always been, I thought, I'm a drug addict. I'm going to have to take the whole thing just to feel it. I've never been more wrong in my life. Cue the da-da-dum. Oh, Lord. I took the whole thing and started feeling it within 10 minutes. (gasps) And not the way I was supposed to feel it. I never got sleepy at all. But over the next few hours, I apparently had the time of my life while fighting this Ambien. I don't remember much because I did eventually crash. But here's what my boyfriend said happened. I began hallucinating almost immediately. He wanted to mess around, but I kept telling him no because there was a bunch of little kids standing behind the couch in our living room. I closed my eyes, and when I opened them again, they were still there. Then I tried to lay down and quickly realized that I was staring at the ceiling fan. Big mistake. I was seeing what I can only describe as garden gnomes hanging from the fan blades as it was spinning. Oh, my God. (laughs) I started laughing uncontrollably. (laughs) He came in the bedroom to check on me and says I was sitting on the floor, but I think I was still on the bed because how did I get off the bed? I decided to raid the fridge, as one does, but ended up standing there with the door open, just staring into it for probably 20 minutes. Then I remembered I had a bottle of rum that I had gotten for my birthday in the freezer. I was also quite a drinker in those days. Now that was a good idea. So I chugged the equivalent of about seven shots at once. (gasps) How I didn't vomit, I'll never know. But after that, I started getting really hot. So what do you do when you're fucked up out of your mind and you get hot? Why, you get naked, of course. (laughs) Now, remember, this is only an hour after I've taken Ambien. I wanted to go outside to smoke a cigarette, but my boyfriend told me I had to put on some clothes first. So while he went to the bathroom, I pulled on my boots and walked out the front porch with nothing on but my shoes. It was raining that night, but I kept seeing tennis balls falling from the sky. (laughs) A few minutes later, he opened the door and said, what the hell are you doing? I don't remember what I said, but it must have been something really stupid because he tried to grab my arm and pull me back inside the apartment. Oh, you know, or because you're naked. (laughs) 
Apparently, I have really quick reflexes when I'm on Ambien and Captain Morgan because I moved before he could touch me and bolted down the stairs, across the parking lot, <gasps> and into a field in front of our apartment building. Titties flapping in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> I must have run pretty far because I remember hearing him yell for me, but it was really faint. All I could do was lay in the tall grass behind some bushes and laugh my ass off. Being that it was around 1 a.m. on a Tuesday, there was thankfully nobody outside or any lights on in any of the other apartments. (laughs) I don't know how long I sat out there in the field watching the sky moving and shifting and the stars shooting and blowing up. But the next thing... (laughs) There was a flashlight right in my face and someone pulling my arms while Sam... Now, here's where you should have said, sorry, Donna. (laughs) (laughs) While simultaneously... Simultaneously. Simultaneously. Mm -hmm. While simultaneously trying to wrap something around me. This motherfucker had called the cops (gasps) on me. To this day, I'm not sure if that was a good idea on his part, but whatever. I didn't go to jail, so that's all that matters. So between him and two female cops, they literally wrapped me up burrito style in a blanket or something and had to carry my ass back to the apartment. I was fighting too. I would have been too. (laughs) I remember that because at one point I had lost my boots and I was pissed. (laughs) I kept saying, my boots, my boots, while being carried like a sack of taters over his shoulders, but (laughs) no one would listen to me. (laughs) Oh my God. So he finally got me back to the apartment. So he finally got me back in the apartment and locked the deadbolt on the door because apparently I can't operate a deadbolt when I'm fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) He told me he had to wrap another blanket around me and underneath the mattress to literally tie me down so I wouldn't run outside naked again. I laid there for hours talking to no one in particular, just talking about horses and mashed potatoes <laughs> and how I wish I could build a bonfire in our living room. And this went until about 5 a.m. And I finally passed out and slept for two days straight. Holy shit. That's my ambient story. I hope it's not too much for y'all to handle. Sorry it's long, but Donna, you ask for it. I love you ladies and your podcast, and I hope this gave you a good laugh for the day. And remember, creep it real and don't mix ambient and rum. Love always, hellfire. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> Titties laughing. <laughs> my boots, my boots. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a great night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my. What a perfect way to end the year. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Please. If y'all have any more stories like this, please send them in. Spooky. Kooky. Thank y'all so much. This has been a great year for Sinister Sightings. Mm -hmm. Freaking love them. And we just want more, more, more for next year. Yes, send us all the paranormal, all the spooky, all the crimey, all the all the things. A paranormal chicks at gmail.com and remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.